Welcome to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. He returns to discuss uh, his article that's in the July-August issue of Culture Wars, uh, Iconoclasm in St. Louis, How Identity Politics Became Identity Theft. We'll also maybe discuss the ongoing social unrest and political turmoil that's afflicting the country and perhaps the you know entire Western world. Uh, of course, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine and the author of many books, including the recently published Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. Dr. Jones, how are you doing this evening? Just great, Tim. Thanks for coming back on the show. You're welcome. Well, here we are deep in the summer. I talked to you, I think, uh, just at the uh, beginning of summer, at the, at the end of June. And, uh, of course, uh, the revolution was ongo ongoing. It still is. In many respects, you had a lot of you know cities, uh, various uh, autonomous zones declared, a lot of rioting, uh, attacking federal property. Uh, local authorities seem to be standing down, and sort of a sort of discordian plan to just make the country ungovernable. And you wrote this piece about St. Louis, which I think fits into this. You also debated. I'm sorry, you debated recently the the the, the one of the subjects of the article, guy Umar Ali, was a local activist down there in St. Louis. So I'll let you take it from there. Yes, uh, I think that this was significant. Uh, the, I think that uh, we have an incident here uh, in St. Louis, which is the opposite of what happened in Charlottesville. It's very similar, but it's the opposite. So in Charlottesville, a bunch of white guys got together as white guys and tried to prevent uh, the removal of the statue of Robert E. Lee. And they walked into a trap uh, set by the city uh, to basically uh, bring them, throw them into the, the arms of Antifa, uh, who were came to that uh, place to engage in violence. Uh, and then uh, they were, after they were blamed for the violence, they became the subject of uh, lawsuits run uh, largely led by a chubby lesbian kike. Now, you can't say that. That's hate speech. But that's the way she describes herself, named Roberta Kaplan, who is still plaguing these people with lawsuits. She's earning money by, by doing that. So I said then that uh, if you identify your, yourself as white, you're going to lose. And they did. They identified themselves as white and they lost because white people have no rights. It's obvious now. You have no right to free speech. You have no right to assemble. Charlottesville was the proof of that. I said, what uh, uh, an alternative. And I said, it's not it's not uh, reality, the American reality. Anyway, the American reality, uh, ethnic reality is called the triple melting pot. Three ethnic groups based on three religions, Protestant, Catholic, and Jew. That was formulated in the 50s. Uh, you could probably now update it by adding the Muslims to the mix, especially in St. Louis. And I think that's exactly what happened. It's, it's almost as if they read uh, the, the article. So you mentioned Umar Lee. Uh, he's a uh, Muslim. Didn't start off in life as a Muslim. His used name used to be Brett, a uh, white boy from uh, St. Louis who uh, had uh, identity problems as a child. He started off in life as uh, a Southern Baptist, being raised by his grandparents. The identity problems caused largely by the absence of his parents. He then went to a public high school where uh, most people were black. He joined a black gang and he became black. Uh, and at that, uh, and also became a criminal, became uh, heavily involved in criminal activity. Uh, because he became black, he ran into the black Muslims. Because he was ran into them, he became a Muslim himself. So now we have the third identity. And then at that point, uh, he uh, got involved with the riots in Ferguson. And this is where he attained his fourth and current identity, which is based on the Jewish revolutionary spirit. This is a Jewish operation in St. Louis. Uh, you're probably surprised to hear that, but uh, this, the, the only reason uh, that anyone is upset, the only group that's upset about the statue of St. Louis in St. Louis is the Jews, and the only reason they're upset is because he burned uh, the Talmud. Uh, that was a whole thing that I, I got into uh, during the course of the, the debate. 
But what happened is that uh, uh, in order to defeat the Catholics, now this is this is basically a Catholic Jewish battle. The Jews are the only group that are upset about Louis the Ninth because he burned the Talmud, and the Catholics, on the other hand, are upset because uh, looks at the people are trying to remove the statue of their saint. So it came down to a Catholic Jewish confrontation. If it comes down to that, the Catholics are going to win. And Umar Lee knew that. And so what he did, as I said in the article, he engaged in identity theft. So the Catholics who showed up at the statue wanted to pray the rosary. Uh, and Umar Lee identified them as white supremacists. Now, I know this has come as a surprise to you, Tim, but generally white supremacists don't play, pray the rosary a lot. Maybe I'm missing something here. We're back again. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so so the, the group that's defending the statue is praying mm -hmm. the rosary. Mm -hmm. um, Umar Lee kept portraying them as white supremacists. Why are white supremacists praying the rosary? That doesn't make any sense. But in order to get the desired effect, he had to portray them as white, and he did. He said they were white supremacists, and so as a result, some black guy showed up and beat up uh, a 60-year-old Catholic uh, by the name, I think his name was Connor Martin, uh, because he, he was white. The black guy assumed he was white. And because you're white, you have no rights and you deserve to be beaten up because all white people are racist. That's that's the, the game that is being played here. So on, uh, on July 12th, the day before, July 11th, uh, Umar Lee calls for a showdown because he's claiming that a group of white supremacists are coming to beat up a coalition of um, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim women. Okay, so uh, that on July 11th, I released the article. The article went up on the internet. Uh, now, what happened on July 12th is that nobody showed up for to support Umar Lee, and thousands of Catholics showed up to pray the rosary. Uh, and I think that uh, my article played a role in that uh, for one simple reason. The next day, Umar Lee challenged me to a debate. Uh, now, Umar Lee did not know me from Adam at this point. The only reason he knew who I was is because he read the article. And I think the, the, after reading the article, I think it touched a nerve. And that's why he challenged me to a debate. You, you only challenge someone to a debate if you're losing. And that's pretty much the situation he was in. Now, at this point, the Catholics jumped in and said, don't debate him. The, the reaction was almost universal on the part of the Catholics. You know, we won uh, the rosary triumph. Don't debate him. And I thought, I'm sorry, but this is I think you're delusionary here. If you think that that's the case. This is much too. Uh, this is much too complicated. And secondly, it's bad theology. Why is this bad theology? I mean, do I believe in praying the rosary? Yes, I do. I pray the rosary every day. But does that mean I don't have to write articles? No, no, it doesn't mean that. What did Saint Benedict say? Did he say ora? Did he say labora? No, he said ora et labora because you need both here. And and what did Jesus say when the crowds followed him and they had nothing to eat? He was going to send them send them off to the village, or that's what the, the apostles, send them off so they can buy something. And he said, no, I think we should feed them ourselves. And then he turned to them and said, what do you have? What do you have to offer? And they said, well, we have five loaves and two fishes. Well, did God need five loaves and two fishes? Did he need that if he's God? Of course not. But it seems to me it's a lesson to the apostles that I'm not going to do this all by myself. I am going to bless what you have and multiply it. And if you don't have anything, I can't multiply zero. Because zero times zero is ten times zero. A million times zero is still zero. That's the situation. And so it did come to a debate. Yeah, and I watched the debate, or I'm sorry, I listened to the debate, rather. I, uh, um, 
and it kind of it's kind of what I expected, where he had these typical boilerplate uh, arguments and I guess characterizations of history, uh, very self-serving, at least uh, pro-Jewish, uh, philo-Semitic interpretations of history, um, uh, you know, and also uh, regarding the um, the Crusades, and he didn't seem too uh, prepared. <laughs> no, no, he thought he was just going to roll over because yeah. he had prejudice on his side. Mm -hmm. He has all of the cliches, the cultural cliches. He's riding high because he's f floating on that tide of revolution that's sweeping across the country. And so he thinks he's just going to roll right over me. Well, uh, I don't, it didn't work out that way. I mean, you listen to it. Maybe you have a different opinion, but I didn't feel as if I got rolled over at all on, on this debate. No, he, I he, got he, the sense. He, yeah, he tended to ju he justified street violence. Uh, he compared you know people saying the rosary to you know being provocative or something. <laughs> a statue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. Uh, but I mean, he also it, it also exposed his identity issue. He's got identity issues because he claims to be a Muslim, but he talks like a Jew. The the only thing he, he could t you know I said to him well you know why was the Talmud banned. What, was it just be, was it because Leo the Ninth was an anti-Semite? The universal explanation of everything, the the conversation stopper. Well, no, it wasn't. It was because the Talmud contained blasphemy. Oh, I didn't know that blasphemy. Uh, and then I said to him, are, "Are you in favor of blasphemy?" Well, he didn't know what to say at that point. I said, "Well, you're a Muslim. What's the Muslim position on blasphemy?" I mean, you're you're all upset about the Catholic position because he, some books got burned. I said, well, look, we're in an era where books get burned on a regular, on a daily basis. My books have been burned by the ADL. We don't, they don't go up in smoke; they just disappear from Amazon because the ADL leans on some fifteen dollar an hour guy who doesn't want to lose his job because the big Jew showed up and started throwing his weight around. So what is this hypocritical stance that it's bad to burn the Talmud, but it's okay to ban E. Michael Jones from Amazon? What's this hypocrisy? And of course, uh, Mr. Lee didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. He would not defend. He would not defend the Muslim position, which is basically blasphemy should be punished by death. Mm -hmm. And then he resorts to sort of a tactical libertarian position, where well, it's a private business. So they can choose not to, uh, you know, uh, sell your books or not go somewhere else, peddle your books somewhere else. And, yeah. You know, I was like, well, okay, if you're going to be the libertarian, let's be the libertarian. Do you suppose? Do you support repeal of all civil rights laws and anti-discrimination laws? I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's it's he's not a Muslim. Yeah. He's he's a Muslim in name only. He doesn't believe what's in the Koran. The Koran says death. And then he gets all uh, gets his knickers in a twist over the fact that one of the tweets was. King uh, Louis the Ninth had no business being in Jerusalem. Well, what is your principle here? Are you saying that no European has any business being in Jerusalem because that's another continent, another place, and only the natives there should be in charge? Is that your position, Umar? Well, no, no, because uh, as I mentioned in the debate, uh, I, I went to high school a mile away from where Benjamin Netanyahu went to high school. We're both the same age. Uh, was that in Tel Aviv? No, it was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So what's an American from Philadelphia doing uh, ruling in Jerusalem now? How is that any different than King Louis of Paris ruling in Jerusalem? How is that any different? So are you against Zionism or not? What is your position on the Nakba? And he did know what the Nakba was. I was doubtful there, but he's he spent enough time in a mosque to know that Nakba is the Arabic word for catastrophe. And this is the way the Palestinians uh, and other Muslims describe what happened uh, in Palestine in 1948 uh, when a bunch of uh, Jews from Poland, uh, uh, a bunch of Jewish terrorists showed up and, and stole the Palestinians' land and engaged in the ethnic cleansing of the native people. Well, wait a minute, I thought you guys were against that kind of stuff. You, you don't like it when, when, well, when Europeans do it to Indians in America, but it's okay if Jews do it in Palestine, right? Well, he didn't know what to say. <laughs>
Well, and also it, it's he's being sloppy with history because the the area was first conquered by the Muslims, but it was Christian before that for hundreds of years. So you can right. interpret and not you know what were what were Muslims uh, doing in um, in you know why was Charles Mattel fighting Muslims in France? Yeah, what were those Muslims doing in France? Yeah, or or seven hundred years later in, in Spain, you know. Uh, so it's it, again, it's it's very selective, self-serving uh, view of history or at least interpretation of history. See, my, my my point here is the only way these this this proceeds is if you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. If if you use slogans like anti-Semitism or code words like that or racism or white privilege or stuff like that, it's all just slogans, and that's that's a they, these things are prohibitions of thought. They are not dialogue. They are not uh, discussions. They're prohibition of thought. As soon as you get into dialogue with people like this, their their case collapses. They don't have a position. Well, yeah, it was, uh, one 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 uh, uh, point of the debate I thought was uh, I, I saw it coming. Uh, the moment he said it, he said anti-Semitism is an irrational fear or dislike of Jews, and your response was, "Well, is there a rational dislike or hatred <laughs> fear of Jews?" <laughs> And he didn't know really how to respond to that. No, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> so are those Israelis who uh, go to the wall and, and are in danger of being killed by uh, Israeli snipers? Is that a rational fear? I think it is. I think it is. And what, do you, what is your position on those Israeli snipers, Mr. Muslim? Well, he's, I mean, his views are very typical, not just of Muslims, but you know, people in general are... In the in, uh, in the West, because they've been programmed to think this way, uh, where you know the Jews not only they're the chosen people, you know, in, in the Old Testament, they're the chosen uh, you know, uh, victim group of the, of the 20th and 21st century, and now because of the of the, um, the narrative of you know of the uh, of the Second World War, any criticism, uh, any acknowledgement of Jewish collective power, organization, and activism. Is now you know you're labeled an anti-Semite, and he he didn't right. he didn't didn't want to define that term. No, uh, yeah, no. I mean, let's. We, I think we did define the term though, mm -hmm. which is once you get it out in the open, it turns out that an anti-Semite is anyone who criticizes Jews. Mm -hmm. Well, who 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 said that these people were above criticism? Do you know, by the way, the guy in Philadelphia, the head of the NAACP, which is originally a Jewish organization. Black guy got fired because he posted something saying, posted a quote by Voltaire saying, if you want to know who rules you, name the group you can't criticize. That got him fired. Jonathan Greenblatt. And he didn't um, uh, uh, elucidate on who that group was. He just said that. No, he didn't. That's all. That was all the quotes <laughs> that was what I just said. So, I mean, it's one more instance where the guilty flee where none pursueth. That, who, that was who, David Icke when he was talking about lizard people. And the Jews <laughs> accused him of talking about them. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow, <laughs> doth protest too much, but yeah, yeah, that's exact. That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, but in spite of their attempt, I mean, D David uh, Duke uh, just got banned from Twitter uh, because he said uh, Jews control the internet. Well, the Washington Post then did a story in which they're quoting the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL saying, yeah, we got rid of Duke and we're going to go through the list now and get rid of a lot of other people, too. Well, you just proved what he said was true, didn't you? Yeah, it's uh, like uh, you, if you acknowledge that Jews uh, act collectively, organize collectively, identify collectively, and they have a disordinate or disproportional power that's exercised. Any criticism of that, uh, that fact, they actually they'll 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 collectively organize to deny that they're collectively organized. Yes, that's a, <laughs> it's a paradox. <laughs> it's like what there was a, a Norm Macdonald joke from years ago on Saturday Night Live regarding um, Marlon Brando. He got in trouble with him because he had he had made some remarks about Jews controlling Hollywood, and Norm Macdonald's doing the news on Saturday Night Live. Uh, and he goes, uh, you know, uh, actors, film star Marlon Brand today po apologized for remarks he made accusing Jews of controlling Hollywood. Uh, and he said the uh, 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 the, uh, the organ you know, he named some Jewish organizations. They accepted his apology, announcing he is now allowed to work again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's it's yeah. Um, 
it's something to behold. But it's it's interesting. In the article, you talk about uh, Umar Lee. Of course, he was sort of instigated, at least promoted by this um, rabbi, Susan Talvey of the Central Reform Congregation, who I think was also involved in the Ferguson turmoil, right? Right. She provided sanctuary, used that synagogue as a sanctuary uh, for people uh, who were, were, were going to be arrested. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, what happened in church in the Middle Ages, you know, uh, she this is a, a revolutionary cell. It's interestingly, it's the building right next to where the McCluskeys live. And they became famous when they sort of brandished their weapons in front of their house after a group of uh, blacks broke down the gate and entered their gated community. Mm-hmm. Those people, by the way, are going to be prosecuted by the D.A. there, a lady by the name of Kim Gardner who is the recipient of Soros money. But wait, oh, wait a minute, that's anti-Semitic to say that, I forgot. Uh, But that's what she is. And so once again, we have the Black Jewish Alliance back in force here with George Soros. George Soros resurrecting it kind of single-handedly after it fell apart in 1967. Well, it's interesting, I mean, King Louis IX, uh, the, the, the Saint King of France, this occurred in the 13th century. And there's no historical context given to this. This is very typical. It's a very, they paint with a very broad, self-serving brush of history, where that you don't take into account that at the time France was a Catholic country. This was an age of, of um, you know, of confessional states, of integral societies, and one's religion was equal. You know, was the same as being one's loyalty or, or nationality, if you will. And so, sort of that religious unity was a big part of the state. This is why, you know, one of the reasons, you know, why. Henry VIII wouldn't tolerate the Catholic Church because he wanted control of it. He he would brook no uh, no dissent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's you know. So well, we have. We, uh, we, this is this is. Uh, uh, it wasn't. Uh, this didn't come from nowhere. Yeah. There was a book by uh, a guy by the name of uh, Jeremy Cohen, I believe, and the book was called "The Friars and the Jews." Came out in 1982, and he attacked uh, not uh, Louis the Ninth, but Saint Raymond of Pentaforte. And the, the line in his book was, the Jew hater became a saint. Well, that was, that was the plan here. That's exactly what Umar was saying. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is a direct assault on Catholic identity. And what they're saying, what the Jews are saying is that we have a superior morality and we can, and what you say is good is bad. And we know it's bad because we have the superior morality and we're going to impose our superior morality on you. Well, wait a minute. So by the time we're over the next 30 years, it became obvious to every single Jewish scholar in the world that there was no difference between St. Raymond of Peñaforte and Adolf Hitler. This is not an exaggeration. And why is that? Why is that? Well, both of them are working for the extinction of the Jews. Well, what do you mean by extinction? What do you mean by extinction? Was would, Did uh, St. Raymond of Peñaforte erect concentration camps? Was there a 13th century version of Auschwitz? No, of course not. Do you know what he means by extinction here? Conversion. He means conversion. Yeah. Well, what does this tell you? This tells you that the Jews have accepted my definition of the Jew as a rejecter of Logos. Because if they reject that rejection, it's like extinction to them. They cease to exist. That's why if you're a Jew and you convert to Christianity, you cannot claim Israeli citizenship. That's That's right. You cease to exist. He is dead to me. This this is exact. So it's it's a, 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 a... a reaffirmation of what I've been saying all along, that Jewish identity is basically rejection of Logos. And also, there's the difference between anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism, meaning, uh, by definition, Christianity is anti-Jewish, but it's not anti-Semitic, because anti-Semitic is a racial uh, approach or a thought. Right. Yeah. And racial, the racial approach has no meaning whatsoever if we look at the situation at the time of the Gospels, because mm-hmm. everybody was the same race. And yet there was this deep division there. According to whether you accepted Jesus Christ, whether you accepted the Logos, or whether you rejected the Logos. That's the crucial issue in the Gospels, and that's the crucial issue today. But this is a, a sort of, as have you written uh, quite often recently, is this is a sort of a, um, a, a, a second version of the Black Jewish Alliance uh, weaponizing or instrumentalizing the racial issue to cover up 
uh, you know, Jewish ambition or Jewish activism, uh, like Black Lives Matter being used to show up at a St. You know, Louis the Ninth statue when it really is a black, uh, really is a Catholic Jewish conflict covered up by the race issue. That's the function of Black Lives Matter. And the, even the Catholics don't realize that. You mentioned down there, the, 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 um, for obvious reasons, the, um, uh, the, uh, the Cardinal can't uh, address uh, the real issue, nor can he acknowledge the fact that um, the Jews are behind it. He, he, you know, it's a guy, Jim Hoft, who's claiming that it's well, Marxist or radicals, <laughs> not, you know, not, not the, uh, the synagogue down there. That's the, uh, the source of the problem in, in St. Yeah. Louis. No, he's he's a he's a neocon. His big he's got a picture of himself with Benjamin Netanyahu. Mm -hmm. So once you do that, then you have to portray it as a liberal conservative battle, which is preposterous. There's that, that's these are outdated, outmoded, obsolete terms and categories. It's like saying you know it's like the Anabaptists versus the Freemasons. Well, no, it isn't. They're they're both obsolete forms of revolutionary activity, and they don't exist anymore. And the problem is, if you don't identify the real players, you are going to lose. And so, conversely, I think we won. We, <laughs> I'm sure the Catholics, <laughs> the Catholics in St. Louis are groaning whenever I use the word we. Okay, uh, but uh, the Catholics won. Because they uh, they did not uh, sit by idly and allow their identity to be stolen from them. That's why St. Louis is significant. It is. You, can you think of? Let me know. I mean, the only thing I can think of that's similar was this: the Andrew Jackson battle in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. And uh, that statue did not go down, but largely because Trump sent in the cops to uh, to protect it. And then they tried to arrest because Trump is is basically the ruler of Washington, D.C., and he can send his troops in and they can prevent it. So but else I don't think of any place else. Can you think of any place else where the people prevailed over the revolutionaries? No, because you've had, I would say, I would argue a conspiracy of local governments to stand down and not uphold the law and order, which is their sole purpose, really. That's legitimacy. right. And there's been a concerted effort to spread mayhem across the country. And this uh, goes to the issue of outfits like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which, if you do the research, can find they all have um, a strong Jewish backing. Yes. And and uh, for some reason, uh, they uh, the, the government simply can't can't stop them. Where is the FBI? What is the FBI doing lately? Uh, that, that whole thing with the, the bomber, Boston Marathon bomber, that's been thrown out. The guy's not going to get six consecutive death sentences. Uh, what is the FBI doing? They're tracking right-wing extremists. Well, I, exactly. That's what happened in 84 when the, the uh, FBI got in bed with the ADL. They mm -hmm. stopped prosecuting criminals. They started going after normal, the, the people Jews don't like. That's, that's the problem with the FBI, isn't it? And, and Comey, <laughs> with him and in charge, they were going after Donald Trump, the president. You know, mm -hmm. this is what, that's what this is about here. So you have uh, all uh, large segments of the, uh, the the country, cities in particular, taken over by Soros proxy warriors. Yes. Kim Gardner in St. Louis, Kim Fox in Chicago, who would not prosecute Jesse Smollett because his skin color was the right color. Uh, you've got... Uh, the uh, mayors in places like uh, Seattle and Portland who allow this mayhem to go on because they think it makes Donald Trump look bad and it will drive him from office. Uh, you, we have a revolutionary situation in the United States of America because we simply have not been able to address the problem. And if you want the big picture here, the problem is education. We've had bad education. The, 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 this, the revolutionaries took over the universities before they took over the cities. And the classic example is South Bend, Indiana, where Joe Buttigieg took over the Notre Dame, Notre Dame University, and that allowed his son to take over uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, and also what you had, you can't take this outside the, um, the context of the uh, – of the contagion or the pandemic hoax, um, 
that's been used as a pretext to waterboard the economy, if you will, keeping it underwater, drowning it, and uh, maintaining these uh, lockdowns. Businesses are, are prevented from opening up, and that's created you know tens of millions of unemployed, maybe as many as, many as 50 million. 32% of uh, rent payments and mortgage payments are now uh, uh, late. Uh, missed their payments the past couple of months, and it's economic warfare, and they're preventing any but if preventing a lot of people going working in the economy from recovering at all from the lockdown, and that and then just in May you have this outbreak of racial violence and then sort of Maoist or Bolshevista violence, spearheaded by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and it's it seems it's it's a program uh, by I guess the global capitalist order. Uh, of course, the Jews can be considered a large uh, fat or a powerful faction within that. Sort of to to declare war on sort of the populist, the populism that had been growing for the past ten years in the country, and they yeah. dedicated not only. I, I think the stakes are higher than Trump. I think the stakes here is they want to uh, upend the social order and and change the economy. They call it the Great Reset. And this is what the That's oligarchs right. are talking about at, at, at Davos, and the yeah. technocratic stuff with Bill Gates. You know, uh, his 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 fantasies of control and vaccinating everybody. And you know, yes, yes. Uh, 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 the, the, a good example of that is uh, Michigan and Gretchen Whitmer, who was, you know, they, there was really no no violence no in, in Detroit, nothing to speak of, which is unusual because they've had two of the biggest riots in, in United States history there. Nothing happened. Uh, and so there was no real use of that. Uh, but the, she's certainly good at using the pandemic. And it's mm -hmm. so obvious. It's so obvious that there is a large segment of the population of Michigan, which she considers her enemy uh, and has treated them as such and has targeted them for extinction, uh, economic extinction. These are, this is the lower end, the, uh, the lower end entrepreneurial class of the state of Michigan. The people who are the contractors, the barbers, there was war on a barber from Owasso, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was not allowed to cut hair. The, 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 the casinos are open. This is a good indication. The casinos are opened in Michi open in Michigan, but the restaurants aren't. Well, what's the difference? They serve food. They have restaurants and casinos. Well, because they're big and the Jews have a big interest in casinos uh, and the little people don't vote Democrat and they're, they're, they're annoying and they're hard to control. So we'll just wipe them out. Will wipe these people out economically. That's clearly what's going on in the state of Michigan. Now, I, I was uh, I mentioned this in the article, and actually this article hasn't appeared. But I went to uh, the beach, Warren Dunes, which is about thirty miles from here, on Lake Michigan, uh, beginning of July, and the restrooms are closed. The restrooms are also the changing rooms there. It's sign on the door says the restrooms are closed for the season. Well, this is the beginning of the season. Well, what, explain to me. Maybe I'm missing something here, but explain to me how closing the restrooms is going to prevent the spread of disease. And and this became apparent uh, because oh, we know we know there's one down the road here. So we go down there, and when you arrive there, just in time to see a guy pissing on the wall of the pissing on the door that's been locked. Now, this is going to stop the spread of disease. It sounds to me as if you're going to uh, enhance the. Maybe that's your point here. Maybe you do want to spread disease here. Anyway, so we show up there last week. Everything is open. Uh, all the restrooms are now open. Uh, every single parking space in three huge parking lots is taken. There are thousands of people on the beach, uh, cheek by jowl, no social distancing, and no one is wearing a mask. So what does this tell you? Yeah. What does this tell you? First of all, you know, uh, uh, Gretchen can flog the sea with chains if she wants to, but it's not going to have any effect because the people of Michigan have simply voted with their feet, as Lenin said. Well, what happened in Germany over the weekend? Another big protest from the place where you least expect it, mm -hmm. you know, politically correct Germany. So I don't. I, I sent. I tweeted a, uh, a, a, a t pictures I got. Uh, some German sent me pictures uh, of uh, picture number one, love parada. They love parade 2009. 
uh, uh, looking, uh, I, I forget which direction it is, but toward the Brandenburger tour. Play, full of people, a million people. Next picture, exactly the same view, uh, looking toward the Brandenburger tour. Uh, looks like the same amount of people to me, except this is Tag der Freiheit, the Day of Freedom, against the COVID regulations. And now it's 20,000 people. <laughs> The New York Times claimed 17,000 people. 17,000. And it said, Where did that number come from? That number got kept appearing over and over again. 17,000 people. Yeah, it didn't look like 17,000 people. Um, it looked more like hundreds of thousands. And of course, they were all neo Nazis and conspiracy theorists, according to the New York Times. Yes. And so, they should know if, it, if it's in the New York Times, it must be true. Well, that's a heck of a lot of uh, neo-Nazis conspiracy theorists. So the ADL has, has its work cut out for it <laughs> in Germany, of all places. <laughs> so the Germans, the Germans yeah. are smart enough to know that uh, this is not what it's claiming to be. You know, uh, it's just it's not. And this whole second so-called second wave, it turns out, is based pretty much exclusively on testing. Yeah, bogus tests. Uh, and the tests are the tests are not reliable. Yeah, in, in New Jersey, I can't just came back from New Jersey, and the governor up there is a real piece of work, Murphy. Um, he's the one that said, and he was pointedly asked by Tucker Carlson, by what authority do you close the churches and violate the First Amendment in New Jersey? And his response was, it's above my, play my pay grade, Tucker. <laughs> so, William, who told you to do it then? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was up there, and, of course, crowded beaches, uh, people being normal on the beach. And you walk off the beach, and everyone obediently dons their mask to go order from the uh, ice cream or something on, on, the, on the, uh, the, the uh, boulevard there. Um, so they still got the stupid mask rules. And the problem with that is, and, and, uh, is what they've done with the churches uh, is they've, they've completely destroyed the solemnity of the mask made it almost impossible to attend mass because of their capacity restrictions. Um, and uh, same with the businesses, with the, with the capacity restrictions and restrictions that they're putting on this normal business everyday life, you won't get anything like a recovery because it, the economy is being artificially uh, uh, suppressed through these, these yes. measures. Yeah. And the people are, are ignoring this in the state of Indiana. So the governor announced last week, uh, masks are going to be mandatory Anywhere you go, you have to wear a mask and you'll get a $500 fine if you don't. And that was immediately overturned by the attorney general who said it wasn't constitutional. And at the same time, five sheriffs, the sheriffs of five counties announced they would not enforce the law, even if it weren't overturned by the attorney general. Mm -hmm. So everybody goes to a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, one Saturday we meet uh at a Mexican restaurant, and at the beginning, the Mexican waitress would come to me and say, you have to wear a mask, and I'd say, honey, I don't need to wear a mask to go from the door to my table where I'm going to take it off anyway because I can't eat with a mask on. What point does this, well, she doesn't know. She can't She can't justify it. It's just, that's the rule that they, they slapped on her, and uh, that's so she's got to do that. So she just shrugs her. Oh, well, I did my duty and I shrugs her shoulder. And what would you like for breakfast? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that restaurant is full is full now. It wasn't Good, at the beginning, yeah. but it's full now. And, and there's no social distancing going on because it's impossible. Why, why should he do this? Why should he turn down business? These people are always on the fringe of extinction. This is, this is the, 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 the completely vicious thing about this thing. These oligarchs, these masters of the universe think that the economy is a switch that they can flip on and off mm -hmm. like a light switch. It's not the way it works. It's people struggling to get a business going, to build up a clientele, and then it's just wiped out. I mean, it's not just restaurants, too. I, you know, what's going to happen to ballet? What's going to happen to music? Well, I just uh, cultural and social life in general, yeah. The whole point of the revolution, uh, uh, like the Bolshevik revolution, is to destroy every single intermediary group in society. And so all you have is the central government and helpless individuals. Well, that's what the mayhem is in the cities, because at any given moment, the cities have the resources, the equipment. Uh, the training to uh, stop a riot. And you, at the medium level, you want local authorities to deal with this. And you've had this intentional, I think, intentional stand down 
to create a double bind where you rely on the central authorities to come in and do it, and which is a violation, you know, the idea of, of federalism and states' rights and the Tenth Amendment and these things. But they create a situation which is ungovernable, and it's almost like – so now the federal government has to step in and do something that could easily be performed by local authorities who are still collecting their paycheck, by the way. Yeah, um, and they're not doing their job, and the, and the, you've you've written, you've kind of attributed this a lot of this this plague of feminist and you know, lesbian mayors and, and 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 sheriffs and police chiefs <laughs> that we yeah. appear to have in the country. I was surprised how many dysfunctional pervert perverts we have in office. <laughs> you know? Well, this is not coincidence. Both Lori yeah. Lightfoot and uh, in Chicago and Jenny Durkin in Seattle were appointed uh, U.S. attorney for those districts. Uh, Lori was actually Ohio. Uh, by Obama. Mm -hmm. So he knew that these people were were uh, revolutionaries, that they were part of this revolutionary movement because they're lesbians. Well, obviously, obviously you're in rebellion against Logos because you're a lesbian. You know, and so you're naturally going to head in that direction. You're naturally going to sympathize with the people who want to destroy the social order in your city. And so you send the cops in and tell them to stand down. Which is what happened in Chicago, or mm -hmm. you let the or you let the revolutionaries take over the center of your city, which is what happened in Seattle, and then you call it the summer of love, and you call them peaceful protesters as they're burning down federal buildings. Yeah, deny it like uh, Gerald Nadler did on camera. He says it's a myth that these are violent protests. Yeah, well, sorry, but that's you know this is again Jewish privilege. Because they can determine reality. They determine what is reality and what is not reality. And uh, what we're seeing is pushback. I think that that's the meaning of, of St. Louis. It was pushback. The local people asserted their identity. Uh, I, I, ended the, uh, I ended the debate with an appeal to the Jews of St. Louis. Because my, one of my contacts there got a call from his Jewish buddy who over the phone says that uh, Susan Talva is the rabbi, the lady rabbi, is an apostate and a sorceress. Mm -hmm. And no Jew takes her seriously. And uh, he said no Jew ever felt offended by that statue until she started making noise about it. And so my friend says, good, I, I agree with you. Let's make a public statement. Oh, no, we can't do that. Yeah, see, there you go. That's always, you know. Wait, yeah. wait a minute. Why can't you? So the question is, my appeal is to the Jews, can we can we get together with Jews as citizens of our local place? Or are the Jews always going to side with other Jews, no matter how revolutionary and and uh, and criminal they are? Mm -hmm. That's the question. I sent that letter, by the way, as a letter to the editor, to the, the Jewish light, the, the Jewish newspaper in St. Louis. Let's see if they print it. Let's see if they print it. Well, that goes back to that old saying, Trotsky's make the revolution, the Bronsteins pay for it. Yes. And if they think that they can have turn on revolution like a light switch uh, and turn it off again, I recommend that they uh, look at what happened in Russia in 1917. Uh, that didn't turn out well. Uh, uh, not for the Jews either. No, 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 no. Eventually, no. But they had their run <laughs> with the Cheka. The Cheka was a yeah. Jewish organization because mm -hmm. uh, Russia uh, Russians would not torture and murder fellow Russians. They wouldn't do it, but Jews would. Well, this goes back to this revolutionary spirit, uh, which seems to reverberate. And even when the uh, political lines change, they 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 are, they have a, a an ability to change. Like you know, the Trotskyites became neoconservatives; they became right wing, but nevertheless, the word revolutionary. Right. I think so. It's, it's been about 11 years since the Jewish revolutionary spirit came out. And all I can say is I feel vindicated. I think this is a category of reality. It's not like deplorables, you know, with just Hillary Clinton trying to impose a label on people who voted for Donald Trump. I think it's a reality. And I think furthermore that you cannot understand human history unless you have a category like that. You cannot understand it because you always get tangled up in you know, liberal versus conservative or black versus white or all of these uh, categories that so are so easily manipulated. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem. And we've talked about this in the past is uh, the problem with the Catholic Church is the and this goes back to uh, um, uh, uh, the 1960s and Jewish dialogue, a Jewish Catholic dialogue where 
since the 60s, the Catholics have not been able to dialogue effectively with the Jews because of, of the guilt uh, uh, in the, uh, that laid upon uh, not just the Catholic Church, but the entire Western world regarding the Holocaust. And now, uh, you know, the Catholic Church can't uh, f uh, combat cultural subversion because it can't address the main perpetrators of cultural, for, cultural subversion, which is the, uh, organized Jewry in the United States. And by organized Jewry, I would mean the ADL, uh, you know, uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, Hollywood, you know, basically the, the mainstream press, the, uh, the latest, you know, the establishment corporate-owned owned media. Um, I think just last year, Congress passed 69 laws specifically for the benefit of Israel. And you've talked about how you know, American tradition, like free speech and free expression, has been have been suppressed by the Jews. They could use it to undermine society, to undermine institutions, take institutions over. But the moment they're in power, they become the persecutor. Becomes the person. I'm sorry, the persecuted becomes the persecutor. Uh, you know, and they also use freedom to undermine the social order, like pornography. And, right. Know. Alan Dershowitz is the classic example of that. Mm -hmm. He he's a, he's on go on YouTube. You can see him defending deep throat, defending pornography against uh, William F. Buckley because mm -hmm. it's free speech and Americans have a right to free speech. It's the First Amendment. And he's a constitutional lawyer. And damn it, I believe in free speech. And then fast forward 50 years later, he's standing next to Donald Trump when Trump is uh, sending out an executive order banning criticism of Israel. Well, you know, I'm saying, look, you can't understand this according to the normal political categories. Yeah. You have to understand it according to the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And when that spirit is out of power, when they don't have political power, they believe in free speech, as long as you can define it as pornography, because that will weaken the majority. And as soon as they get in power, then you're not allowed to criticize the Jews no matter what they do. Even if you're just quoting the Jew himself, you're not allowed to do it because you don't have a smile on your face when you're saying it. Yeah, it's very pervasive. I remember a couple is a year or so ago, I was reading articles of various states. Texas was the most, uh, I think, uh, the most reported one was where you had anti-BDS legislation, where hurricane relief was contingent on you signing a pledge not to support the BDS movement, and there, the law was signed by the governor of Texas with the Israeli ambassador behind him with the Israeli flag. This and, is outrageous. Yeah. This is an outrageous violation of what it means to be an American. Do we have sovereignty over our own country or not? That's what this is about right now. And the answer, uh, the reason uh, we're, we're having this fight is because the answer to that question is no. You do not have sovereignty. You do not have rights as an American if some Jew says you're an anti-Semite. That ends your ability to have rights. Well, who gave these people this power? Well, it's it's like the the tech companies with social media, whether it's Google, uh, they own YouTube, but Facebook is they. From what I understand, is they have like a, a Jewish political officer in Wisconsin, a commissar, a commissar, if you will. <laughs> I mean, in, uh, deciding what's what's permitted and what isn't, and it's solely based on on their Jewish what they perceive to be their own Jewish interest and what they what they what's offensive to them. So you can't criticize Jews on YouTube. But you can stream all manner of, uh, of uh, you know, of, of obscenity and insult everyone else. Or, or, or on YouTube, you can you can stream uh, uh, something on uh, I forget what it's called now, but uh, how to uh, break the law, how to defraud people by uh, setting up f phony uh, pornographic websites. Mm hmm. Uh, where you just steal someone, some woman's picture, you post it there. It's usually guys who do this. And it, it was giving instructions step by step. This is what you do first. Well, that's on YouTube. Well, they're a platform. how to break the law. They're a platform. They're not responsible for what's posted. Yeah. They're just a platform. And that's that Rule 230 uh, that was passed in the Communications Decency Act in 1996, which uh, was supposed to there so you could have ideas flourish and free speech flourish on the Internet. But now it's been used as suppressor because – well, it got a little out of control about 15 years ago. Now they're trying to control it, you know, trying to put the put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. That's right. But there was too that's, much democracy. <laughs> that's exactly what's that's exactly what what what's happening. You know, and that the anti BDS stuff is so obvious. I mean, it was like, geez, really? But it doesn't get reported though. And in the meantime, the New York Times is launching the 1619 project to spark a race war. You know, uh, 
Despite the fact, if you look at the New York Times, it's it's, it's history, it's pedigree. It goes back to it was owned by slave owners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. really. Well, I got uh, I got banned from uh, from Amazon because I criticized uh, uh, Hunters, which is an Amazon Prime movie. They paid mm-hmm. for it, which incites not only it's not only hate speech against anybody they don't like. It's it's inciting violence. Mm-hmm. There's Al Pacino, the venerable Al Pacino, telling this young guy that it's not it's not murder, it's mitzvah. You have the right to murder someone. You can be judge, jury, and executioner if you think the guy may be a Nazi. Well, there are no Nazis anymore. Uh, but so how about anti-Semite? If you think he's an anti-Semite, Al, can you murder him? Is it okay? Well, yeah, according to your, the movie you made, yeah. And that's... That's I'm bad for criticizing it. They're not bad for making it. That's not hate speech when they make it. That's different. It's only hate speech when it's directed against someone who's objecting to it. And the reality is that it's uh, a lot of these organizations, whether it's the Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros is out for. I don't know to what extent he's actually controlling it anymore. He's 90 years old. But nevertheless, he's, he represents certain interests is that it's Jewish power, which is largely behind the political turmoil and subversion of the country and the current revolution. And if you can't address that issue, you can't address Jewish organization, Jewish power directly, you won't be able to confront the issue and deal with the crisis we're confronted with right now because you're, then you're, you're constantly shadowboxing right. with something else. You know, Right. It's not, that is, this is not, I mean, George Soros is what he is. Okay, but as you said, he's 90 years old. What we're talking about is the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Mm -hmm. He embodies that. He put his money behind it. He's not the only guy who does this. We're dealing with a spirit here. And and it's been internalized by the Ford Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. So you may not necessarily be Jewish, but you're carrying out uh, an agenda, uh, which is very similar. And, you know, Ford Foundation has been backing Black Lives Matter for years, not to mention La Raza. And um, this actually, this is an interesting point because I've been doing some uh, mental exercises and we've talked about, and I've also talked about other shows, is um, the Reese Committee hearings, how you had this congressional investigation in the 1950s to investigate the great foundations, um, you know, and using their tax-exempt status and the wealth of these families to uh, subvert the country. And you had the House Un-American Activities Committee and these things. And back then there was enough uh, cohesion to identify subversion now there's so much division it's hard to even identify that anymore because there's so much pluralism in the country now and who promoted that but the idea that what we need today is some sort of grand jury investigation some sort of official investigation whether it's a presidential commission the political i don't know the political will is there anymore to really get that anymore to investigate uh whether it's the open society foundation the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Gates of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Gavi Institute, their uh, ties in with the World Health Organization, the United the Imperial College of London, and the connections to the, the various uh, or state or, or organizations or outfits that advise the governors to impose the lockdown. Well, if you do a cursory examination, you can pretty much uh, uh, sketch out a, a schematic of a conspiracy to do all this. Yes. And you need an investigation because these organizations, they're tax exempt, they're chartered by the federal government, they're given benefits. They should be, there should be like a grandeur investigation, subpoena power with arresting people and seizing their assets because they are involved not only in the revolution of the United States, but I think a global revolution to impose a new feudalism. Yes. Yes. Absolutely and, right. You're absolutely right. But as 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 uh, they used to say, as Aesop once said, who's going to put the bell on the cat? Who has the power? <laughs> it's a great idea, but who's going to put the bell on the cat? Who mm-hmm. has the political power to to do this? You know, Trump, Barr, doesn't look that way. No, they they're either they're feckless or they're they're cornered. They can't do it, um, or they I can't would... see the problem clearly, or they can't no. identify the problem. Because what you're savvy, it's, I I used the. Uh, the example of South Bend, Indiana, there used to be a statue of uh, Ten Commandments in front of the courthouse. Well, the ACL got that removed. And now we have a statue of uh, Martin Luther King and Father Hesburgh singing, We Shall Overcome. This is symbolic of what happened here. Mm-hmm. You have the civil rights movement as the new religion and the new morality, and it trumps the Ten Commandments, which is the old morality. That's what's going on here. And anyone who wraps the mantle of that around their shoulders immediately 
can uh, take control and demand, uh, make demands, and you have to kneel down and take a knee and accept it. Yeah, as long as you worship, as long as you worship those icons, you're not going to have uh, the ability to deal with the issue because you don't have the grammar uh, to um, back up, uh, you know, your actions or your, or your, or your, your, you know, your, 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 your statements, your, what you talk about. I ran into that when I was just talking about the current crisis, just around the pool, my brother's house with the family members, typical, you know, conservatives, and they still see it as a right-left thing, and um, they, you know, they don't think there's a problem with Israel or, or Jewish power in the country, and if you talk about it, you're just an anti-Semite, and of course, I lay out all these arguments, and they, they, they can't even contend with the argument. They just kind of, they get kind of a deer stuck in the headlight type look in their face, and that's a lot of people are like that. They don't, don't know how to deal with, because they can't identify what's going on because they don't have the grammar to examine it yeah to analyze it they don't have the terms they don't have the categories and that's why uh that's why st louis was important because i think if you have the right terms if you can frame the issue and give it a, a, a coherent explanation of what's going on you can win mm -hmm. and it is st louis the city is st louis and so it's only fitting that there is a statue to St. Louis in St. Louis. <laughs> you know? But they also want to change the name of the city, don't they? <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? And uh, politically, that's a bridge too far. But again, in a revolution, if you create enough mayhem, it doesn't matter what the public think. Because the public, part of this whole scamdemic pandemic thing, uh, and then the lockdown, the economic mayhem, and then the turmoil is that the people are so traumatized, so divided, so polarized that there's no organized resistance to it, you know. And that that's sort of a Bolshevist, that's a sort of a Bolshevist ta tactic right there, is you know sort of Jewish cultural political terror. Confluence. I'm sorry. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and that's what we're saying. I agree. You're cutting yeah. out. Oh, can you hear me okay now? Yeah, you disappeared for a while, but now oh. everything's fine. It's it's cultural terror to bring out a political uh, you know, outcome, which I think, again, uh, is um, it, it's terrifying if you see what they talk about, <laughs> you know, because uh, never I've never seen uh, local mayors and governors dedicated to destroying the local economies. Yeah, they're parasitic. They're corrupt. There's always a limit to it. Now they seem dedicated. They don't seem to care about reelection, which is kind of off putting. Yes, I think that's because it's a revolutionary moment. I think they feel that they can gain from the revolution. Mm -hmm. That's why they're acting this way. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you need like a voluntary militia to come in and just to depose them. <laughs> well, that's what happened in, in, in Munich in 1919. Yes. The militia showed up and drove the, the, uh, the Jewish communists out of the Soviet Republic of Bavaria. You need a fry corps. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the Christian militia from the countryside, and of course that history has been perverted or, or, or destroyed because within that they don't talk about uh, you know the the, uh, the Jewish terrorism that was being perpetrated against the you know, people in Bavaria. No, so, so people usually think the fry corps as the prelude to the Nazis, when it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah, this has also been perverted by Daniel Jonah Goldhagen, uh, who deliberately distorted what uh, Eugenio Pacelli uh, said in his memo to the uh, to uh, the Secretary of State back in Rome. Mm -hmm. He said he went to the Wittelsbach Palace and he said these are all uh, these aren't Bavarians; they're they're Russian Jews. Mm -hmm. Why are why are they running Bavaria? Yeah. And it's been a long march to the institutions, the culture subversion of the country. And you write in the article uh, how what happened was because of the inability of Catholics to confront Jews, particularly on the cultural moral issues. And this is a, 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 the bitter fruit of the Catholic Jewish dialogue and Nostra Aetate, its interpretation is the inability to deal with the cultural issues. So you have a society now which is wrecked, you know, with uh, immorality, cultural, moral subversion. And now it's much more, uh, it's much softer. It's, it's much easier to uh, topple because the, its foundations have been so weakened. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what happened. And again, uh, this is a reversal. And I think it came at the absolute opportune moment, uh, which is the moment when the old archbishop is, former archbishop is leaving and the new one has not yet arrived. Mm -hmm. Because I, I shudder to think what would have happened if the new one had been in office when this push came. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's in July, August of uh, Culture Wars, Iconoclasm in St. Louis, 
her identity politics became identity theft. And I guess people can subscribe to Culture Wars. Go to culturewars.com, correct? That's right. Yep. I urge everyone to go uh, subscribe and read the article and also check out the books there, of course. The latest book is Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. Um, I think we covered it, right? You yes. Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for the, for the interview. I'll uh, post this soon. I do. I'll send you the link. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Tim. Great. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah.